DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It is time to bring in Craig Bolajak, TV voice of the Utah Jazz, brought to you by the University of Utah Health. Trusted health care provider for the Utah Jazz family and yours. And Bowler, you're not just the voice of the Jazz. You are a Kansas City Chiefs fan, and you were back in the Super Bowl. And I imagine <laughs> when you're not calling Jazz games, you think about that a good chunk of the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading up as much as I can. Uh, of course, uh, Kelsey, Tyreek, Patrick Mahomes, uh, they've got a lot of weapons there. I'm, I'm excited to see how this turns out with uh, the legend and one Tom Brady. Um, you know, it's an amazing story for him to, to jump from the Patriots and in one year bring uh, the Buccaneers to a Super Bowl. But uh, that's what they brought him down to do, right? Um, it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun game. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. We're interested to see if Kansas City's got a dynasty going on. Yeah, like a little mini, a little mini two game. You know, I tell you, PK, I was thinking to myself back in the day, like with Terry Bradshaw and and the and the Steelers and how they just dominated for you know under Chuck Knoll, and then they had the Forty Nine er run with Montana and Steve Young grabbed a championship. I, I wonder if it's more difficult or still balanced in the sense of in the eyes of GMs in the National Football League to, to build a dynasty in these days. Uh, don't know. I don't know. I mean, you, you, it's all about a quarterback, right? There's the similarities between dynasties, how they have weapons to throw to. And obviously, uh, Mahomes has plenty uh, to, to get the job done. But I just wonder what, what the thoughts are around the NFL about building dynasties. Um, I mean, the Patriots did it. Uh, Gronk and, and Brady were so dynamic with other pieces that went with it. But, uh, God, I think it's difficult to keep everybody together for such a long period of time. So the Utah Jazz have won 10 in a row. The Utah Jazz have a half-game lead over the Lakers in the game over the Clippers. They have the best record in the NBA. We are a quarter of a way through the season. What do you know for sure, and what are you still waiting to find out? Well, we're 17 games in, and, you know, we were 18. talking about, yeah, yeah, 18 after last night. Um, wondering, you know, where, uh, you know, where they would be at 20. Well, I think we got our answer a little early, but, you know, uh, it's it's really intriguing to watch this team. It's, um, there's very few faults uh, at this time. I mean, Joe stepped in last night into his starter role that he, he knows so well and, and didn't miss a beat. I mean, look, look great. Um, seven threes, wow. I mean, come on. It was, uh, it was a thing of beauty. But what I found out, I think, last night was the depth of this team and the, the goal they have is to, to, you know, like we're talking championships, right? I know it's early and everybody gets excited, but, you know, Sometimes groups of guys formulate a plan and they try to see it through. And, you know, I hope the Jazz uh, and Jazz fans can ride through this and we'll see where it takes uh, takes everybody. But right now you have to be pretty excited that without Donovan and D saves last night, that the depth of this team was, was on display and multiple guys can do some great things. Gobert was, was you know, a 2020 uh, was was a thing of beauty and you know Jordan Clarkson's play continues to uh just put you in kind of this uh, state of shock because of just how dynamic the guy is playing 
and keeps the dribble alive. Uh, he finds seams and scores, but the energy they play with, the confidence they play with, I think just, again, uh, the team concept of playing on the floor together seems to be uh, it's a hard combination to be right now, no doubt. So go back a couple of weeks, they lose the two ball games in New York, and we're thinking, oh, they got to go to Milwaukee. This could be a three-game losing streak. It'll be 500 or maybe even below. Well, then the exact opposite happens, and they don't lose. If you had to put your finger on one or two things that have been the difference, what are they? Well, PK, I think, you know, everyone keeps saying the same thing. When you ask that question to Conley, to Gobert, to Donovan, it was that one speech where, you know, we've got to find out, you know, really who we are, who we want to be. Well, they decided, you know, play some defense consistently. I mean, it was spotty. It was good at times, but not not a consistent flow. And, look, there's going to be runs in the NBA, as we know. But I think that's where you have the starting point is, is they there's been nights – you know, where they still need to be more physical, and they've been starting to do that more and more and and showing more, you know, confidence. But Conley said it best the other day on Zoom was, you know, for him, I guess, is the best way, and I think it reflects on the rest of the team. But, again, last year he was, you know, kind of lost, didn't trust, uh, having to know that Gobert was truly behind him, uh, that he didn't have to overplay on defense and, I was looking again last night, just the rotations, they're able to, you know, uh, just play off each other and the help defense and the rotation on on defense, they know where to be. And I think that's one thing Dennis Lindsay, uh, you know, talked about at the very beginning of the season. They didn't make a lot of change because of COVID for one. And they didn't, they knew they had a, a good core and they brought favors in who already knew uh, how to play in the Quinn Snyder system, and they thought they could just kind of pick it up and be ahead of the game. Well, they're a, they are ahead of the game right now among most teams in the league, but what we're watching, too, is they added a three-point shot, PK and DJ, and they have five five players that are jumping over the 40% mark, and Quinn Snyder has given them the ultra-green light to put them up, 42 a game. And, you know, I didn't think I'd see that uh, in in – the, the Quinn Snyder era, but it's here and it's way it's the way of the NBA and the Jazz just have the shooters and the defense to make it work and they're proving that in the numbers around the league, both on the offense and defensive side of the ball. So the balance, PK, to answer your question, I think it's balance on both sides of the ball that has really put the Jazz on, on top in the NBA. So Denver's won five in a row. Do you think that uh, that game Sunday, that they, they have kind of joined the big three atop the West, whatever they were going through early in the year, and we should really circle that game Sunday? Yeah, I'm excited to see it. It's an early one, but, hey, two weeks ago the Jazz, you know, had uh, – they, they couldn't stop Jamal Murray, and the guy's special. I mean, or, or let's just say he has a way of, of playing against the Jazz, like an Austin Rivers or, uh, you know – uh, the, there's some players that just like playing against the Jazz. The, the matchups just work. But no, Jokic is is a special big with three point ability, and now they're starting to kind of figure things out without Torrey Craig and uh, Jamal. So uh, you know, five straight wins in this league is, is hard to do. Make it ten, and that's even more impressive. Uh, it's the NBA. There's good teams out there and and great players, but to win ten uh, is uh, is, is special. They, they beat good teams along the way. Milwaukee for one, the Clippers. Um, Dallas is supposed to be a team 
uh, that a lot of people are hanging their hat on. But I thought the Jazz just, you know, looked more energized, more physical last night, and they just looked more confident along the way. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that more physical because it seemed like in getting that deficit that the Jazz had, the Knicks were a little physical with them early in the game, and obviously the Jazz responded in the second half and, and won going away. Do you see that as a potential tactic that teams might use to try to get in the faces of these guys more? Yeah, I do, PK. I think it's it's a great point. Um, look, the second half was a totally flip from what we saw in the first. Uh, the Jazz got bullied, got pushed around, and I think teams will say, look, Let's see how they react, and uh, how do you, you know, if you bump them off the three-point line, um, you know, that's another issue. Can they fight through, uh, you know, picks? How physical do they want to be? And, you know, the Jazz, I guess, were challenged at halftime. Don't know what happened in the locker room, but they came out with a totally different approach uh, to the Knicks and really kind of played their game. Uh, I mean, the Knicks game. They said, all right, you want to be physical? We'll be physical back. And they shut them down. I mean, a 35-point second half after really kind of wondering if the streak was going to be over PK but no I, I I think Quinn challenges them all the time about the physicality of this game uh you know Rudy last night looked to stand his ground um you know Mike Conley has been fighting through uh picks Royce O'Neal I think is part of this you know this as well is that he's been given that chore man to take on some of the toughest uh you know players in the league on a nightly basis and you know he's trying to stand to the challenge but I do like the fact that he you know puts a chest on a guy bumps him around tries to push him off the spot and the same with Clarkson despite his size PK um, I think he's a tough nut I really do the guy just is a baller a player and doesn't like to back down to anybody and sometimes a player like that as you guys know players follow and it just sets the tempo for the rest of the night and you know, I think that's part of the equation during this 10-game win streak, too. It hasn't been consistent, but it's been there at times, which is, uh, you know, played into the Jazz hands. Yeah, I'm of the opinion that it's just an absolute lock. They're going to see more physical play because there just aren't very many teams that have the skill level so that you're going to want to play, for lack of a better word, a finesse game with them. I mean, the Clippers are shooting the three very well. They're leading the league, so maybe they could outshoot the Jazz. But when you can't outshoot a team you got to get into them. I mean, what, or you can just take your 20-point beating. Right, right, right. You can do one or the other. And, you know, thinking of another guy that has the ability is, is Joe, um, who has gotten into the head of Paul George a few years ago, you know, still has the snarky look and sometimes plays the mind game verbally, which uh, uh, can do the job <laughs> just, as, just as well. But, Hey, Joe played great last night, and um, he's also adjusted to his second, you know, uh, the second team role. And I just, you got to tip your hat. He may not like it, but he won't say it. But the guy last night, you know, can can jump from a starter uh, or a second unit guy and be very productive. And his three ball, by the way, uh, struggled early, but the range is there. Last night, man, thing of beauty. Thing of beauty, and to watch him work with Gobert too, there there is a connection. Let's be honest. And Favors and Joe have it as well. Ingles has the way of finding the open man. The little ball fake in, he can roll and finish with the left hand. Um, he he's just a crafty, crafty guy who is going to play as long as he wants in this league. Um, 
I thought he looked as good as he as he has all year long last night. I really did. So with Mitchell, you know, he's 24 years of age, and of the guys in the rotation, he's three years younger than everybody else. And Conley, he's nine years younger. So you see the big, bad Goliath dude in Shaq going after uh, Mitchell the way he did. You think that that brings the team a little bit more unifying, or is it overstating? Because it's sort of like, wait a second, you're picking on our little brother, and he's the best we got. Yeah. You know, PK, it's bulletin board material that anybody uses anything they can, in my opinion, to motivate. And I don't think, you know, at a professional level, I still think it's it's good to have something to tick you off, to play mad. And, you know, yeah, I think it's a little brother syndrome, a little bit, a sense of protecting the guy. Because, look, look at Ricky Rubio, what he said. Um, yeah. You know, former teammate. Uh, was very dynamic uh, on his comments on Twitter about what Donovan's done and accomplished early in his career. You know, i got to be honest, um, I don't know where those comments really came from or why, uh, but if Donovan can use them to his advantage, so be it. You know, Shaq, comments you make, you have to back them up, and then he doubled down on it, uh, is what Shaq said, so... You know, the Jazz have another TNT game uh, early in February uh, with Boston. We'll see if there's a follow-up to it. But I don't think the Jazz, at least on the surface, as you know, they don't like to talk outside the locker room much. But I'm sure inside uh, there was a lot of head scratching and uh, a little jaw drop. But i got to be honest, you know, for a guy barely four years into this league, the way he handled things was as mature as it comes. You could have He could have been set up or, you know, a little verbal confrontation there. But Donovan, I thought, handled it as well as anybody could for his age. You know, a veteran may laugh it off and go back at Shaq, but for a young guy like that, he handled, you know, a Hall of Famer as well as I, I could have expected. And I tell you, as I watched it, you know, I was just like staring into the screen for 15 minutes straight wondering, where is this going? And I don't know if we ever got the answer, but for Donovan, I thought he handled it as well as anybody could ever think. Craig Bolajak joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So uh, you look at these teams at the top of the West. Do you have them all bunched as a group of four? Do you think there's some real separation? I know Denver isn't quite there with the other three, but I'm writing that off to all the changes they've had. And it's not that they've got a bunch of great wins in this five-game win streak, but I, I expect them to be good, so I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, I guess. And I'm, I'm grouping them with the other three teams. They're not that far back. And they've been second and third the last couple of years, so why not? Um, but do you see any separation among this, this group of four? Well, I would think as we reach the 20-game mark, I think there is beginning to be separation. Uh, you know, Phoenix was supposed to be a, a hot team with Chris Paul, but they're 500. Uh, I think I, I'm still looking at Memphis surprise, San Antonio surprise, Steph Curry's ability just to lead a team. You know, they're 10-8. and eight. Um, Blazers, don't know if they'll be able to hold in at the five spot. But, I, you know, really, if you look at it, I, I think there is beginning to get the separation everybody expects. Uh, are the Jazz a surprise team? I think for some, yeah, to be on top of the West uh, over the mighty Lakers and Clippers. Um, but I would see those three uh, being at a high level. Denver could jump in, and that's where they are at number four, as you said. Uh, Dallas is a surprise. I thought the Pel- Pelicans would be better. Uh, 
Um, but look, it's still a young team led by Zion, and uh, you know the Jazz were able to to beat uh, beat you know Williamson in in this building just a few nights ago. So, you know, in the East, it's Philly, it's the Bucks, it's Indy, and uh, I, I'm thinking probably Brooklyn feels like they're in a pretty good position as they continue to to kind of um, get the chemistry with the big three there. So. Yeah, I think it's starting to separate. I really do. I mean, you're tw- nearly 20 games in on a 72-game season. And, uh, you know, the big question, can the Jazz stay healthy? And that's the way it is for the rest of the NBA. Because an injury uh, to the Lakers, the Clippers, the Jazz, even Denver would uh, would really be difficult to overcome for a, with a mainline, streamlined player, uh, for sure. But the Jazz, I think, again, last night showed – that if you have an issue with a player, you know, and this was just one game, granted, you don't have to do it over a five- or ten-game period, but uh, there is some depth uh, with this team, and they didn't seem to miss a beat. They did not miss a beat last night. No, they certainly didn't. So I'm sort of wondering, what do you think they can get from Mitchell? (laughs) What was it last, yesterday afternoon, somebody said, hey, if they win, everyone's going to say, let's just move Donovan. I thought, good grief. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's just the way it is in this in this world, right? It's uh, what ifs, what ifs. Let me look at the trade. What is that? Uh, the trade tracker? No. Hey, Donovan Mitchell's going nowhere. I love his game. Look, he's growing leaps and bounds. And plus, DJ PK, you don't get a player that has leadership ability and the ability to to um, uh, be a locker room presence like Donovan Mitchell at the age of 24 with still the level he's not reached yet of of his heights of his career look Shaq wants him to you know have 10 assists or 10 rebounds a game try to take one away from Royce O'Neal Derek Favors or Rudy Gobert Um, and he is very conscious by the way of getting his teammates involved Uh, Joe does the same thing Conley is having a terrific year with dishing out assists as well. I think in 14 years, I don't know how you guys think, but I, I never thought a player could get better, you know, as an as an older vet. But I think Mike Conley fits that description very well. Um, he gets it. He's learning, he, and he's open to it. A lot of times you shut yourself, yourself, yourself off, you know, after being a, a long-time, you know, NBA pro or NFL pro or in the, uh, in the world of baseball, whatever it may be. But the guy's coachable, and he's been able to change his game, and uh, he's uh, – it's reflecting right now how well he's playing. He's been a real constant in this 10-game run. Well, you can talk about veterans with the Jazz, but I know when your attention turns to the NFL, you're automatically going to fall in, li- fall in line behind the young guy. Well, right now I am. Yeah, young guy's <laughs> pretty good. You know, Mahomes, I mean, look what he's done. And, you know, you look at Donovan, who hopes to gain that type of, of uh, I guess, the award status, but I don't think for Donovan, everyone always says, look, it's not about the awards, it's about the ultimate win. And, you know, if you win titles, everything else is good, right? It takes care of itself. But, you know, obviously, Mahomes has had personal accolades on top of a Super Bowl championship, and to win two would be outrageous at his age. And, you know, just comparing the two, I think they both have a lot of leadership qualities of the same nature. You just have to get a title. Uh, And if that comes, great. If not, other accolades will follow, but ask John and Carl. I mean, they were there twice, and a guy named Jordan was able to to, uh, to to win. But, man, it's fun watching the growth, and it's fun watching this team try to reach the highest of levels against 
some of the best players in the world, all the best players in the world, and a guy named LeBron who is like a Jordan uh, who still has the ability at his age, PK, DJ, to play at a high level. Uh, he's 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 outrunning Father Time right now, and you know he's he's <laughs> when I watch him play, he doesn't look 35, and his attitude is still of one to to go out and dominate. You got to tip your hat to that. I know Jazz fans not in love with the guy, and I can get it uh, because he's had great success. But the Lakers are tough, the Clippers are going to be tough, and the Jazz are proving they're just uh, trying to be just as tough. But it's a that next level is so difficult, and maybe the Jazz are inching into that. And maybe to feel what it's like to be a Western Conference leader nearly 20 games in may be something they like and that they want to stay at that level. So we'll, we'll ride along with them. Bowler, thanks for the time. As always, we'll, uh, we'll see you on the next game. Thanks, guys. Good, good to talk. Take care. Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz, and he joins us every week. It is brought to you by University of Utah Health, trusted health care provider for the Utah Jazz family and yours. 16 neighborhood health centers. U of U Health has a game plan for your family's care. Visit uofuhealth.org slash jazz. When we come back, everything you missed in this show in one segment. Stay with us. Hell no. I'm going for two. <laughs> <laughs> we love it, Coach. Oh, man. I think you just made a lot of Buccaneer fans pretty happy with that one, Coach. <laughs> There's no doubt. If the Blazers will have me back, I'll be back. Tampa Bay Buccaneers coach Bruce Arians right there. Not planning on winning the Super Bowl, retiring, and going out on top. If he wins it, he'll just go for two. Back-to-back, baby. Ride Tom Brady as long as you can. Why not? I wonder if Tom Brady would want to come back. Well, there's that. He says he wants to play till he's 45, so I assume that he will. But I guess there's, you know, everybody has a chance to change their mind. Yeah, and when you're in a good situation, why would you walk away from it? Uh, I think you speak truth right there. I think that's why those uh, 80-year-old guys doing uh, play-by-play at SEC schools, you're always like, man, they hang on to those jobs. Good gigs. Uh, they do. Why did, why did Bobby Bowden stay forever at Florida State? Why is Mike Krzyzewski, uh, you know, still at Duke and during a 500 or possibly worse season, depending on how it turns out? Good gigs, yeah, good lives. It, Ride them. You're caught up in the moment. Take a big picture with Coach K and, you know, the, the toughest biology test you've ever had. You know, look at it from that perspective. You know what I mean? Oh, man. Apologize right now. (laughs) (laughs) Did you just answer the question and go easy on the lectures, Coach? All right, thank you. I know. Stop it. Answer the stupid question. Answer the question. Plus, you you should have a little bit of – you want to give – he's a student guy. You want to give him a real test. You don't want to disrespect him and be patronizing or condescending because he's a student because that's not going to help him either. So I'm not saying, well, just because he's a student, uh, act like uh, you know he's a puppy and you should pet him because he's getting training here mm-hmm. to go out in the real world, he or she. And I think as a coach, you have a responsibility to that. But, yeah, don't, don't lecture him. No, nobody, nobody, and I wish I would have learned this much earlier in life, nobody wants a lecture. And I don't care who it is. Unless you have a, a person... Uh, up close and personal relationship. Like if you called me after the show and said, hey, I really need to talk to you about something 
and it was somewhat of a critique for me, I'm probably going to listen because we have such a deep history, and I know you have my best interest in heart. And I don't I, do it very often. Yeah, but otherwise, nobody wants to be lectured on anything. It just doesn't work. And that was my big complaint with some of these coaches going off on the prior administration. You've got critiques and complaints, fine, but don't go in lecture form because then the message gets lost. And believe me, I am the number one offender of that. Or was, anyway. Not so much anymore. No, not so much anymore. Uh, The SEC, uh, you feel like college football's over and it's a long way away, but they, they make sure the news comes out drip, drip, drip. SEC announcing a bunch of games. They've got uh, season openers. LSU is going to be at UCLA. Georgia and Clemson are going to play on a neutral field in Charlotte. Alabama is going to play Miami in a neutral field in Atlanta. So that's the opening weekend and the SEC announcing their their fall schedule. There you go. It it was cool that they played 10 conference games, but those days are over, PK. That was a one-off. Yeah, I think that the Pac-12 nearly needs to look at it. For me, I, I'm a Pac-12 purist. I would love to see them play 11 conference games. But what's best for the conference to get their teams out more in the forefront? And if the SEC is doing something and they are so wildly successful, you're never going to have that level of success because the passion and commitment isn't there and, it, and demand isn't there for sure. But can you learn from that? Can you do other types of things that will put yourselves in the position? In the SEC, well, this is what we're going to do. And if you don't like it, well, you're the idiot, not us. Non-conference games are more fun than conference games. I would really prefer that everybody go to nine. I'm glad the Big Ten made the move. The Big 12 and the Pac-12 are already there. But if there's going to be uniformity, I think everybody's going to have to go to eight. The SEC doesn't care what everybody else wants. It's working for the, N- for the SEC. It helps give them glossy records. Everybody gets an extra win. And it helps them prep for big games because they're less likely to play big games back to back to back. So Yeah, and they put, they put one of the dogs in November. And usually, you know, the dogs yeah. are in September, and you get past the first couple of weeks, and then it's on. Well, they get away with it, and, and Her- the Herb Streets of the world have called them out on it. But so what? There's been zero type of consequence. I, if I just call you out all day, if I'm a cop and I just tell you, don't speed, don't speed, don't speed, but if I don't write you a ticket... What's the difference? And it's like the SEC, they get called out by Herb Street or somebody like that every year, but it never changes, and there's never any consequence. They always get the benefit. Brian Johnson, the former Utah quarterback, Sugar Bowl winner, led him uh, his senior year to that undefeated season, uh, had a crazy coaching career just accelerating right through it. Just great jobs, and now he's jumping to the pros as the Eagles quarterback's coach. Now, my first assumption was, now he's got NFL experience, this is set up even better to be a college head coach, but you were not ruling out that, hey, he's done with the recruiting game and he's going to conquer the NFL world. And don't be surprised if you wake up one day and he's 39 and an NFL head coach. Not at all. If that's the where I don't know what route he wants to take, and I don't think he's thinking about that now, but I had heard from folks in the coaching business, and this is, and it doesn't look like Morgan is going to leave. I don't know that he is, but I heard that he was interested in staying, speaking of Scali, of course. And I spoke to some people, and they brought up why they thought Morgan should leave. And, and you know, whatever he decides, he decides, uh, going now or going forward, obviously. And somebody was telling me that, hey, look at Brian Johnson. You know, great college player, all sorts of charisma, not good enough to make the NFL, goes into coaching, 
and now he's being considered for coaching head coaching jobs at least you know maybe not strong but he's still being considered whereas Morgan has stayed local the whole time and not being considered and so they were kind of comparing the two's career path and now with Brian Johnson going to the NFL I just think it opens up a whole level of possibility that wasn't there before this because he has youth on his side so we'll see at 30 years 33 years of age I mean really in you could see him now being the coach succeeding Kyle Uh, I believe Kyle coaches three or four more years and at that point, if he uh, Brian has a successful run in the NFL and he wants to go back and be a head coach at the college level, sure. Because I think you can make that jump. That's basically what Fisher did at the U of A, right? He goes from quarterback coach from the Patriots down to Tucson, right? And they did have that one little interim thing when Mora got fired with uh, UC Los Angeles. I think he was the interim coach for a game or two. But really, what does that matter? And so... Brian now has all sorts of options. Basically, the world of football is his option, depending on where he wants to go. And so we'll follow him at the NFL level and see what happens. And maybe he goes, the next move is coordinator. If he goes offensive coordinator to the NFL and then has success, man, isn't he a prime candidate for an NFL job? Brian Johnson stepping right into it in Philadelphia. They had a disappointing season, and they've got uh, issues at quarterback. Who is their guy? Uh, can they get Wentz back on track? Is Hurts the guy going forward? And Wentz is done. And what's happening with NFL quarterbacks everywhere since uh, Stafford looks like he's on the market? Deshaun Watson, it came out this morning, Adam Schefter, the tweet saying that uh, Watson has officially asked for a trade and that he did it weeks ago. So Houston has a new head coach. They just hired David Coley, a Ravens assistant, but Watson wants out. So Houston doesn't seem to want to let him out. So is this going to lead to him staying home and fines? And, you know, are they going to move him or not? And then there's the Aaron Rodgers scenario. And you got you got plenty of buyers on the market. The Colts need a quarterback because Rivers retired. I think the Saints, Breeze, it's not official, but I'm assuming, and a lot of other people assuming he's done. Are they going to stay with somebody who's in-house like Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston? Are they going to be in the mix? Washington won seven games, but they need a starting quarterback after winning the division with a losing record. There, there's a lot of possibilities. And star quarterbacks don't usually move, but this year could be the exception. I think it's now the NFL is sort of copying and mimicking the college game. With We've seen quarterbacks move left and oh, right. Oh, yeah, in the college game, absolutely. Yeah. And we've seen stars move in the, in the NBA, so it's this combination of the two, kind of like, well, we're NFL quarterbacks, we've got leverage, and people need us. Why can't we do what the college kids do and what the NBA guys do? So, could be three teams selling, and there could be a long list of teams interested in acquiring quarterbacks. Uh, Niners, you can throw them in that mix. They've been talked about, so... It could be uh, baseball. It's the hot stove league, right? Heating you up in the winter with baseball talk. What is it in football? Something about spring. I don't know. Come up with a slogan. You're good at doing that, PK. Well, I think that in the, with football, you know, we when the season's over, we sort of move on to the draft because that's the next thing. And the NFL draft is so massive. Then we see about the free agency move. So it plays, for now, for the next few months, it plays a secondary role. 
BYU, it was a good four-game win streak. They they looked good, and the, the streak went back to the Gonzaga loss, which was pretty predictable, and they had a nice stretch of games before that. But there was nothing good about the Pepperdine loss. They were up by 11 in the second half. They had the size to control that game, and they were controlling it. And they were until they weren't. And man, a 13 to two run got Pepperdine back in the game, and they pull out the win, 76-73. That's a that's a bad loss for BYU. It's a bad loss in the moment. I don't know how bad it is NCAA tournament wise, NCAA seeding wise. So I'll I'll, that, sp- I'll split those. I don't think it's a bad loss tournament wise. I think they got a good enough resume. They would need a couple more of those before I think they're on the bubble and sweating it. But I think you want to be a five or six seed to give yourself a decent chance to get ooh, yeah, to get. Well, you can't do that by losing these games in the WCC. I don't, I don't think they had a shot at that though. No. Well, I think this is a kind of loss that says, well, now you're seated 8, 9, 10, 11. Okay. you got a hard first game, and your odds are getting the Sweet 16. I mean, teams have done it. It's not impossible, but you got a much tougher path. But what team outside of Gonzaga from the WCC has gotten anything close to the 5 or 6 seed? That would be zero. Going off it's, the projections that had them. Happening. You're right. But going off the projections that had them in 8 or 9, I thought, hey, Win, win until you get to that uh, Gonzaga game, and maybe you set yourself up for a but, five or six out of the WCC. Okay, a six. I'll give up on five. A six. <laughs> but a six when you're already being projected as an eight nine. To me, a six out of the and you're totally a right bunch of about crappy the teams. No, yes. no, you're not going anywhere. Well, now seed wise, now it doesn't matter because now they've lost to one of those teams. Okay, but how about if they beat Gonzaga then, and they beat him twice? Then you're back in. Now, now I'm talking five, six seed again. And I'm well, opening the door on five. If you give me that, I'll give you five. But beating them twice? Not happening. I, I, don't, I don't really even want to talk about beating them once. You didn't come close, and nobody else is coming close. And so really what you're left with, well, it's college basketball. And, uh, you know, if, if, if Barcelo and Averitt were both hot from three, well, of course. I you wouldn't know. put Averett hot from the three. I know. I wouldn't either. I don't think it's I'd happening. Put Johnson or, or okay. Kisnell and Barcelo. I you need a couple guys to really go off and have their yeah. best games. And that's I think that it's really going to hurt BYU with the crowd situation because there's really nothing like the Marriott Center in the West, really, and very few in college basketball when that thing is rocking. I mean, because they got great student support and they've got great old people support and fan support and they sell it out. It we was, saw that last February. Bedlam last year. Yep. It really was just awesome. As good as it gets. And they're not going to have that this year. And Gonzaga is better. So I don't yeah. expect that. But I always figure a West Coast conference, if you got a 10 seed as you'd an at large, you'd take it and see what you can do. Utah State bounced back. They beat UNLV 83-74. It was a close game at the half. Uh, I think it was three at the half. And they went on a 9-0 run, pushed the lead to 12. And Vegas never got closer than seven. Raleigh, Worcester, big game. 19 points, nine rebounds, nine assists. Big game for He him. had the hot sauce going on, the Worcester hot sauce, man. Come on, you like that. You know you do. Yeah, I do. I like it. <laughs> And the Jazz have 10 in a row and the best record in the NBA. We've been talking about that all morning long. The Lakers lost after winning 10 straight road games. They finally lose. For one night. Philly got him. And Tobias Harris had to hit a big shot with three seconds left, and he did it. He did do it after they just about tripped over themselves and blew a lead big time. Literally blew it because the Lakers had taken the lead. But Jazz Nation, I ask you. 
How is the view from on top? <laughs> it's excellent. <laughs> When's the last time you had the best record in the NBA and you played at least 10 games? Well, it'd be 98 or 99. I mean, they were, they, were the, they were the one seed in the playoffs in 98. And I can't remember in that 50-game season, they may have had the best record at some point early in that year, or, you know, midway through it or whatever. It was only a 50-game season. But not since then. Not since then. Enjoy it. Yep. How long does it last? Well, who's playing Friday? I mean, I was surprised Doncic came back in the game. We didn't talk much about this, but, man, he was rubbing his knees, and they were talking to him, and then there was something under the ace bandage. I don't know, the ice or – I don't know what it was. But, I mean, he's, he's a gamer. Yeah, and he came back, and so – but is Donovan Mitchell going to play Friday? I don't know Ooh. that. <laughs> Stop it. Is uh, Derek Favors going to play Friday? Tell me who's going to play. Well, maybe we can figure something Why? out tomorrow. Well, because who plays matters. Didn't last night, the two you're, guys you're you right. just mentioned. You're right. It didn't. But I'm, I'm not counting on Rudy going for 29-20 to 20 every night, and I'm not counting on Clarkson going for 31 every night. You've got to win different ways in different games. The Jazz have done a good job of that, but it's harder to do when you're missing you know, two, two, well, your star and another important rotation piece. And yet it was easy to do. For one night. But can you do it on yes. Friday? Can you do it on Sunday? When do they come back? I don't know the answer to that. All right, DJ and PK, your feedback coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time for your feedback. And PK, a quarter way through the season, the Jazz have the NBA's best record in a 10-game win streak. And what does it all mean? And Nate says, as a fan of a team that's flamed out, before in the postseason, the regular season is basically meaningless if you're already a playoff lock, especially during a pandemic. Utah's got a great team, but anyone says they're on the level of either L.A. team has lost their mind. Ah, oh, the door slams at the end of the hallway. Yeah, it's funny to say it's meaningless because that's been the knock, but yet usually the one or two seed is the team that wins it all. Paul says it's a stacked team for sure. The question is, can they hit threes when it counts in the playoffs? When they shoot the ball, they can run anyone out of the gym. Donovan stepped up against Denver last year. Roy Singles and Yang are the difference makers. If they shoot well, lights out. Well, they're part of the difference, but I don't think they're exclusively the difference because I think that's the beauty of this team, as we saw with the Dallas Mavericks. Not that they're a great team, but the Jazz handled them from start to finish without Mitchell. I mean, when you look at it, to me, and Joe, we had him on earlier, and he doesn't like to talk about himself very much, but I think Joe's playing the best ball he's played, and maybe it's just because I have bias recency or recency bias on my mind. But I don't think there's any question as far as what he is in a jazz uniform mike conley is the best we've seen right now and i have no reason to think that that won't continue which can make a significant difference so even though the regular season once the playoffs start don't really mean a whole lot the fact is if you have the first or second best record you're probably going to get to the conference final in the nba final nate says i'm not dumb I know that every single metric had Milwaukee as the clear best team in the league for the past two seasons, and look where that got the Bucks. Playoff basketball is a whole lot different than some meaningless January game. Uh, there's something to be said for that. I don't know about these metric deals, so I can't respond to Milwaukee. But I said last season that I didn't think Milwaukee was 
uh, uh, had championship contending ability. They just have too many holes. They've got a great player. So the the Jazz, I think, are a better team than Milwaukee. So if you're comparing against Milwaukee, okay, fine. I don't know what metrics say. I go more on the eyeball and let the others figure all that stuff out. And to me, uh, as going into the season, I thought they had a strong opportunity to finish second. I feel no different right now, a third or a quarter of the way into it. But that doesn't mean I'm picking them to win it all by any stretch. Yeah, I think that you got to combine the two. And sure, uh, these metrics may say look at the box or whoever else, but the metrics didn't tell you that the Lakers were a bad team. The La- they told you the Lakers were a very good team. And then you apply a little common sense. LeBron knows how to get it done in the playoffs. And if you weren't looking at the Lakers last year, you were crazy. There's no guarantee for them either. You know, they had to go out and do it just like anybody else. But, come on, you had to know the Lakers were in the well, I don't mix. think anybody was looking at the Lakers and saying, no way. Right. I don't need to look at net metrics. You don't. I know. They're there. Yeah, they're obvious. Now, that's, and you should look at them for the folks who are involved on that on a day-to-day thing. That's their thing. They should look at everything, literally examine everything. Everything that's available. Don't get paralyzed by the data, but they need to look at it. I don't. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're back with more tomorrow. The Jazz will be playing the Mavericks tomorrow. Coming up next, it's Scotty G and Hans right here on 97.5 at 12.80 The Zone.